on part seven now of our series on making the Christian life work. And today we're going to be talking about pressing on or pursuing. Let's look at Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through 14. Reading, we say, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, the word underlying press on is the Greek word dioko, and it has the sense of to move rapidly and decisively toward an objective, to hasten, run, to press on. And so this word is usually used in the sense of persecuting, which makes sense when you think about it. Whenever they're persecuting someone, they are pursuing them with intention. It's a negative intention, but they are still pursuing them with intention. This is the word that's used by Paul here for us to press on. We're pursuing it with intention. We're not just aimlessly wandering or passive. We're pursuing it with intention. Now, here are some other places where that word is used in the New Testament. It's 1 Thessalonians 5.15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after, that's our word, that which is good for one another and for all people. We're told to seek after that which is good for one another. First uh, Timothy 6.11 But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness. That's our word. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You pursue these things. You go after them intentionally. Hebrews 12.14 Pursue peace with all men. That's our word, pursue. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. And so these are commands for us to pursue or press on towards, to seek these things. Now let's consider another aspect of Paul's statement in Philippians 3. We read Philippians 3, 12 through 13 again. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. But so Christ has laid hold of us so that we may lay hold of something that we must press on towards. Uh, King James Version usually has the word apprehend. If that I may apprehend that for which also I was apprehended of Christ. Now the word for laid hold is Greek word katalambano. And it has the sense of to make something one's own. To win, attain. And it's interesting how this word is used sometimes in conjunction with the other word we looked at. Yoko. Where we have the ideas of pursuing something with intention. And to attain to it, to lay hold of it, to apprehend it. In Romans chapter 9, verses 30 through 31, we see both words being used. What Paul says, talking about 
the Gentiles and the Jews. He says, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue, Theoko, righteousness, attained righteousness, that's the word, attained, to apprehend, lay hold of, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel pursuing, that's their Greek word, uh, dioko, a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. And so what he says is the Gentiles, they weren't really pursuing righteousness. They weren't really pressing on for it. They weren't aiming for it or going after it with intention, but they attained it. They laid hold of it. Why? Because they, they went after it by faith. But Israel, the ones who rejected Christ as Messiah, they rejected the gospel, they were pursuing righteousness with intention. They were pressing on for it. They were seeking it with intention, but they did not attain it. Why? Paul goes on to say in verse 32, Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as though it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. So the Gentiles, those of us who are non-Jews, who are Christians, um, direct application. The Gentiles attained or laid hold on righteousness because they pursued or pressed on towards it by faith. Isn't this exactly in agreement with what we've been talking about through this whole series? Consider 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, where this same kind of idea is, lay, is laid out by Paul. But he adds something. He says, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, we're in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. That, that phrase that we translate, that you may win in English, is the Greek word katalambano, our word, so that you may attain, so that you may apprehend, so that you may lay hold on it. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, as not doing it aimlessly. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So Paul more than once likens the Christian life to a race. And this is kind of directly drawn from, I mean, this is around the time of ancient times. You have the Greece and the Olympics and everything like that. He's drawing on this imagery that most people, especially there in Philipp, uh, Philippi and Corinthians and all of them would have known about, of uh, the runners. And so he uses this illustration. He says, we are likened to the runners who are running toward the goal. We have been set at the starting line. We were laid hold of by Christ so that we may run the race, so that we may pursue or press on and lay hold on the prize. There was a purpose for us being laid hold of by Christ. And there was this thing that we are supposed to pursue or press on towards. We were laid hold of by Christ so that we may lay hold of the prize. But notice he says, but we must pursue press on towards it. There is intention in our Christian life. Now, in this passage, 1 Corinthians 9.27, we actually see Paul mention something else. There are rules by which we must run. If we do not abide by those rules, we can become disqualified at the end of the race. 
Now, this is, this is a really good illustration because you consider something like football here in America, American football, not um, foreign football, which is soccer, where the wide receiver catches the ball and begins to run downfield with it, right? If he steps out of bounds and keeps going, you know, even if it's accidental, and he gets all the way down there, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's a touchdown, you know, six points. But then the referee throws a flag and says, nope, doesn't count. He stepped out of bounds. The touchdown is disqualified because he did not run within the rules of the game. This is the same thing. Now, people say, oh, you're saying that we have to keep these things in order to win? Well, in one sense, but in another sense, no. Everybody runs by the same rules in a game. That just means you're in the game. Your winning is not based on you keeping the rules. If that if this was teaching a kind of works salvation or something, or that your works keep you, then what it would say is the one who keeps the rules best, right? Win. Well, that's not the that's not it. You watch the Olympic uh, runners even today; they're all obeying the rules, but one wins. Obeying the rules just means you're in the game. It's not meaning that you will win because you obeyed the rules. This isn't teaching a works thing, but it does state you can become disqualified if you don't obey the rules. And the word for disqualified here, as it's rendered in the New American Standard in this place, is where we get the idea of reprobation. Everybody says, oh, you reprobate. Read uh, King James, um, maybe New King James, you're used to the word reprobation. And the word, Greek word, means to be rejected, not passing the test, unapproved, worthless. And the implication should be clear. If we don't pursue the goal the right way, we ourselves can end up being rejected and disqualified ourselves. It's not saying that run this way and you shall win because you earned it. That's not what he's saying. But there are things that can disqualify you, right? And this is, makes perfect sense with what Christ, is, uh, Christ Paul says in Romans chapter 9, where he just said, Why did the Israelites who rejected the gospel not attain that which they were intentionally seeking? because they did not pursue it the right way. The Gentiles got it because they pursued it the right way. The other ones were disqualified. There is a way to pursue righteousness. It's not by works. It's by faith. Consider 2 Timothy 2.5, where this idea is said again. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. His keeping the rules does not mean he wins. It just means he's eligible. He hasn't broken the rules. He's not disqualified. But Paul mentions something else that should actually encourage us in our Philippians passage, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, where we read, Not that I have already obtained, that's our word, or the, not the compound form, lumbano, to receive, not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on, I pursue it with intention, so that I may lay hold, so that I may apprehend it, so that I may attain it, of, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus." Paul says, I'm not done growing, but I am pursuing. 
I am pressing on towards it. I am keeping myself in that path according to the rules of the race. I am not, I'm aiming for myself to not be disqualified, and I am pursuing it the right way so that I may lay hold. He's active and not passive in reaching this goal. So let's summarize what Paul says in all of this. He says, I have been laid hold of by Christ. That's your conversion. Christ laid hold of you, and he placed you on the starting line. He did this so that I may lay hold of something. There's a point to it, so that you would run, so that you would press on and pursue this goal. The whole purpose of your salvation is to conform you to the image of Christ. And so Paul says, I must press on towards this goal. He's like, I must pursue it with intention. He says, I must pursue this goal according to the rules of the race. 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27. So yes, there are rules to our race. It doesn't make us win. It just makes us not disqualified. And then he says, I am to pursue righteousness by faith. Romans chapter 9, verse 30-32. through 32. You want righteousness, practical righteousness in your life? We've talked about position, right? But let's move on beyond position to practicality. Pursue it by faith. Same thing attends to your position. We talked about that last lesson. When Paul came to the end of his life, he had this to say of his own race. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. He says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure, referencing his martyrdom, has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the course. He finished his race. He says, I have kept the faith. And because of that, he had confidence at his death that the Lord was going to, you know, reward him with the crown of life, you know. Now, here's a really convicting quote from William Gurnall in The Christian in Complete Armor. This is uh, the abridged version from uh, that was released by Banner of Truth Trust uh, from Volume 1. This quote, like, haunts me every time I think about it. But it's very good. But I want you to listen to it. It's a kind of a long quote, but listen to it. William Gurnall writes, This warfare analogy reveals why there are so many who profess Christ and so few who are in fact Christians. So many who go into the field against Satan and so few who come out conquerors. All may have a desire to be successful soldiers. But few have the courage and determination to grapple with the difficulties that accost them on the way to victory. All Israel followed Moses joyfully out of Egypt, but when their stomachs were a little pinched with hunger, and their immediate desires deferred, they were ready at once to retreat. They preferred the bondage of Pharaoh to the promised blessings of the Lord. Men are no different today. How many part with Christ? At the crossroad of suffering, like Orpah, they go a short distance only, referencing the story of Ruth. They profess the gospel and name themselves heirs to the blessings of the saints. But when put to the test, they quickly grow sick of the journey 
and refuse to endure for Christ. At the first sign of hardship, they kiss and leave the Savior, reluctant to lose heaven, but even more unwilling to buy it at so dear a price. If they must resist so many enemies on the way, they will content themselves with their own stagnant cisterns and leave the water of life for others who will venture farther for it. And the part that always sticks with me is where he says, they're reluctant to lose heaven, but they're even more unwilling to buy it at so dear a price. There's many things that try to come between you and just following Christ. The world is going to put things that seem pleasurable, things that seem to bring satisfaction or contentment. And the flesh, the enemy, and the world system will always try to make you be discontent. Why? Because God's not going to satisfy your flesh. He won't. Your flesh needs to die. Your selfishness, pride of life, all those things, they need to be killed. They need to be mortified through the Spirit of God, it says in Romans 8. They don't need to be pampered or coddled. And whenever you die to self and you begin to accept that, you see these things, these allurements, as something that gets in the way, not something you were given up. And so don't be reluctant to lose heaven, but even more unwilling to buy it at so dear a price. No, look at everything that comes between you and a desire for Christ and to just abide in him, to glory in the cross of Christ, to glory in Christ. Everything that comes between you and that is a hindrance and it is dangerous. Now here's two verses for encouragement, because that's a very convicting passage. 1 John 2.24 As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. Keep the gospel, its message, what it truly means. Keep it at the center of your heart and mind. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. And you will abide in the Son and in the Father. Jude chapter 1, there's only one chapter in Jude, Jude uh, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling or to keep you from falling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory with blameless, his glory blameless with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Christ and God the Father, they are able to keep you from falling. They are able to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. Now, let's talk briefly about striving. Just an interesting note. An interesting note about striving comes from the word underlying the English word we use sometimes in translations, strive, which is the Greek word agonizomai. Agonizomai. That's where we get the English word agonize. And this word generally means to engage in a contest, to fight or struggle. To engage in a contest, to fight, to struggle. Now consider where this passage where this word is used in our passage from 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27 says, Everyone who competes, that's our word, agonizomai, everybody who engages in this contest, everyone who fights or struggles in this race exercises self-control in all things. Then they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore I run in such a way as not without aim. He's not aimless. I box in such a way as not beating the air. He's got a purpose. But I discipline my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself 
will not be disqualified. So everybody who was in this race, you were to engage in this, everybody who was engaged in this context, this contest, this fight, this struggle, exercises self-control. They discipline their body. They bring it under submission so that it is not leading. They are leading. Now this word, this Greek word, agonizomai, is used in two other notable places pertaining to what we're talking about. In Luke 13, 24, Luke has strive to enter through the narrow door. And we know that passage. It says, For many, I will tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. You need to engage in this contest with intention. You need to run this race, to press on, pursue the aim of righteousness the right way, by faith. But you need to do it intentionally. Don't be passive about these things. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Another place, 1 Timothy 4.10. This is a good one. For it is for this we labor and strive. Agonizomai. It's for this that we labor and strive. Because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. You want to know why you should labor and strive? It's because you have fixed your hope on the living God. So, strive, pursue, press on, and lay hold of righteousness by faith. Thank you for listening to Remnant Bible Fellowship. We do hope and pray that you would commit your life to Christ and continue in Him. We desire to see people seeking Jesus Christ and coming to know Him personally. If you have questions about salvation, the Bible, or your own walk with Christ, please contact Brother Jonathan by email. Brother John, that's J-O-N, at remnantbiblefellowship.com. That's Brother John at remnantbiblefellowship.com.